You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code PLAY for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. someone started using your brand's name for their products and services? What if you saw the logo that you invested so much time, love, and money into on some random apparel brand's website? What do you do if three months into a project, your client just stops responding to you? You've been putting yourself out there and flaunting your fire. Now, how do you legally protect your brand visibility? Screw the template own your values and amplify your influence. I am brand visibility consultant, India Jackson, and this is the Flaunt Your Fire podcast, where we defy the stale marketing advice out there in the world and own our own power. If you are new here to the show, welcome. And if you're a regular here to the podcast, thank you for listening and for following the show on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app of choice. This week on the show, we're going to be diving into an area of business that is always on my mind when we're working with clients, especially clients that are doing brand refreshes, rebrands, launching a new brand, and brands that are out there in the world speaking their mind and using their thought leadership for change. And that area that I am talking about is the legal side of brand visibility. This episode is going to be going into all things legal. And we're also going to be doing something pretty cool. So one of the things that we've been experimenting with is giving our online membership community, pause on the play members, the opportunity to ask questions and really shape this podcast as well as the pause on the play podcast. And so what that's looked like is when we are scheduling our guests to be on the show or laying out our podcast topics, we've actually been going into our community space and letting our members know what some of these are in advance and giving them an opportunity to engage with the posts where they're able to ask questions 
or ask us to cover certain things on the episodes. Such a cool way to really be able to specifically get their questions answered and a little bit more depth than just a social media post. And as well as uh, recognize that they might have very different questions than I would have or my team would have being many, many years into what we do. And so we're going to be answering some of our members' questions on this episode about the legal side of brand visibility. Questions like, what are the biggest legal mistakes that people make when they're growing fast? Uh, Questions like, when you have a new brand, a new podcast, or a new offer in your business, is it better to first invest in contracts for that or trademarks? And so this is such a cool way that we've been kind of doing things a little bit differently in our space. And it's something that I'm so excited about. As you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're not new here, Pause and Play the Community is just like such an important part of my life. And it's my passion. It's my heart. And so (laughs) being able to um, really serve our community members in this way has been so much fun. And the questions that they ask are so good. So when I think about diving into all things legal side of brand visibility, of course, I am not a legal person. So I had to think about who to have on the show that would be able to provide the most value to you. And I couldn't think of two better humans to support this conversation than Autumn and Shantae of the Autumn Whitboyd Law Firm. And if you haven't heard of the Autumn Whitboyd Law Firm, where have you been? I've been talking about them for a while. Um, So I'm definitely going to say that you're probably not on our email newsletter. So go and subscribe to that so you can be in the loop of what's going on because we've been sharing some of the cool projects we've been working with on them. And I've also been sharing some insight into some of the things that we're doing in the legal side of our business, which is very insightful um, to be able to be a fly on the wall of that and see maybe where there are some things that you might need to do to protect your brand. But if you haven't heard of them, let me formally introduce you. So Autumn Whitboyd is an experienced lawyer who provides sophisticated legal strategy for online businesses. The AWB firm is the go-to for businesses selling online courses, digital downloads, and coaching services. But dare I say that they're the go-to business for businesses selling anything, including our influencers. Um, And that's been pretty fun to see some of our clients that do brand partnership deals and things like that also utilize the AWB's contracts. Autumn has helped Amy Porterfield, Being Boss, Melissa Griffin, and many more, including Pause on the Play and Flaunt Your Fire, grow and protect their online empires. Side hustlers and solopreneurs love AWB's customizable and affordable contract templates. Autumn also hosts the Legal Roadmap podcast, which teaches business owners how to protect their rights and stay out of legal hot water. She lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee with her husband, twin boys, and her daughter. And she has an amazing team that is so kind and so diverse. And I've really enjoyed connecting with her team member, Shantae. So let me tell you about Shantae, too, because Shantae, we brought her to this episode as well. And (laughs) this was Shantae's first podcast episode ever. So... 
side note to that, Shantae is just like a really great natural at this, considering it is her first time ever being interviewed on a podcast. Shantae Hallett has always had a passion for intellectual property matters and helping creatives protect their brands and rights. And she certainly puts that passion to good use serving clients at the AWB firm. Born and raised in the Bronx, New York, Shantae is used to working hard and getting things done. Shantae graduated from Long Island University campus in New York with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and Charlotte School of Law in North Carolina with her Juris Doctorate. In her spare time, Shantae loves and enjoys music, podcasts, sports, working out, exploring new places, and spending time with her family and friends. Shantae is also licensed to practice in New York and New Jersey. And if you couldn't tell by the things that Shantae enjoys, you can definitely see where we have a lot in common and probably why we connected so well. I absolutely love music, podcasts, sports, and you know I live in the gym. (laughs) So rather than leave you on the edge of your seat, I am excited to dive into this episode with you because there's so much value that is had in the things that Shantae and Autumn share. And so let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have both of you here with us today. And I love starting out the conversations that we have here on this podcast with introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about who you are and how you are with our listeners. Hi, I'm Autumn Whit Boyd. I am an attorney in Tennessee. And about six years ago, I started my own law firm working exclusively with online business owners. Uh, my background is copyright and trademark. So that's kind of the, the lens that I bring to everything we do. But we are a full service law firm. If you sell an online course or, or coaching, business consultant, um, if you live in the online world, um, we would be happy to work with you. Yes. And my name is Shante Hallett. I'm from the Bronx, New York. Um, I too am an attorney. Um, I've been licensed now for a little over three years in New Jersey and New York, and I work for Autumn um, and we work on protecting your business. So I'm excited to be here today. Awesome. And I'm so glad to have you here because I just find that in the world of business alone, there's so much to consider about legal and you don't know what you don't know. And there's even more to consider when we start talking about branding and really like putting our business name out there, establishing that brand with logos or websites. And then when you go so far as to now transition that into really getting visible, there's so much to consider. And I would love to know a little bit more about, from your perspective, what are some of those initial things that just any type of business or personal brand needs to consider on their legal? <laughs> um, well, it's, it's multi-layered. So um, you definitely need contracts. We could start there, right? Um, when you're working with multiple businesses or just individuals, you're going to want to make sure that you're protecting yourself, right? And you're protecting your business. Um, so that's number one. Number two, um, if in fact you have kind of developed your brand over time, you may want to start considering trademarking um, to just make your your brand more visible and, and protected. Um, and then copyright. So, but at the forefront, I would probably say you want to start at 
contracts and making sure you have an agreement with everybody that you interact with, with the, when it comes to your business. Thank you so much for saying that, Shante, because I um, will say from my perspective that I've seen many people start out uh, in the very beginning of starting a business with our brand. And they're like, I need a logo and I need all these things that they associate with getting started. And we then go in and I have kind of a checklist that I work through with them. Um, and I'm realizing like, oh, well, they haven't figured out what they're offering yet, or they're already offering something. They just haven't sold it yet. And there's no legal protection to back that up. So it's so, so important. And one of the things that um, both you and Autumn offer through the website is the ability to get actual contract templates that you can customize. Could you tell me a little bit more about like what that offering looks like and what some of these options could be for someone just getting started? Right. So I know that there's a lot of individuals in business, entrepreneurs that may not have the money yet to actually afford um, an attorney. And our templates actually uh, provide those individuals with the protections that they need in the meantime before actually getting the opportunity to hire an attorney. Um, our templates pretty much cover almost everything, which is great, <laughs> which is great. Um, so yeah, it covers situations where um, like I said, you may be contracting with an independent contractor or for situations in which you may need to hire a photographer uh, or somebody to create a logo for you. So, yes, it covers just about everything. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I've enjoyed a lot because, uh, you know, full transparency, we use your contracts as a part of our business. And just in Flaunt Your Fire alone, we have a contract for uh, website design and development. We have a contract for coaching slash consulting, though we really do more so consulting here. And so it's like just in those two services alone, those are two contracts. Um, and I think it's important to note that for anyone listening, uh, once you start contracting out other people to support your business too, like those are additional contracts that you may want to consider to make right. sure that they're not able to compete or to take your clients with them when they leave or any things like that. Um, now, one of the things that I've noticed is uh, that you do your contract website and as well as the offerings that you have there a bit differently than many others. And I would love for you to share a little bit about how you went about deciding what you were going to offer and also how you went about developing what is there, Autumn. Yeah. Um, so when I first started the firm, I was just doing one-on-one -on -one services. I think like a lot of people, we start by you know, just doing the thing that we know how to do um, before we maybe think about a digital product or a, an offer that is for, more, you know, a broader audience. Um, and what I found, like Shantae said, was even though, you know, when I was just starting out, I, my prices were pretty low because I was still learning what people in this entrepreneurial industry needed. Um, but it was still not affordable for everyone. So after I worked with, I don't know, 10 or 15 or maybe 20 clients, and I found, like you said, most of them needed contracts. Like they may have come to me wanting to talk about a trademark or a copyright. And then I would ask like, what does your client agreement look like? And they're like, oh, I'm not using one. 
Um, so we, we just saw a need or I, it was just me at the beginning. We have a team now. Uh, but yeah, I saw a need and, um, I started taking the contracts that I was working with people on one-on-one and just turning them into templates. So, you know, taking out the business name and putting a little bracketed blank in. So it kind of guides you as you go through the contract says, fill in this here. What are your services? What are your, what is your price? You know, what are, how do you work with people? Um, and I also found on the on the kind of flip side of that, the other thing a lot of people were coming to me with in the beginning was like client problems or um, issues with people on their team or things like that. And so I was able to take a lot of those lessons learned and put them like every time I would see a new problem, I would add a term to the contract. Um, so over the last six years, the, the templates have really evolved. And now they're, I mean, as you've seen, India, they're pretty robust. <laughs> like they're, they're not short. You can delete anything that's not applicable, but, um, by using them, and especially if you're early in your business, it helps you kind of think through some situations. And Shantae and I do this a lot on our client calls now, where we'll ask them about, you know, what's your refund policy or how would you handle this situation if somebody's, you know, acting crazy in your Facebook group? And either it's happened, but they hadn't thought about putting that in their contract, or it hasn't happened yet, like they've been lucky. But it kind of gives them a preview and, you know, allows them to put some of those protections in place, hopefully before <laughs> they're having problems. Um, so we still do, you know, what I've found is working with a lawyer can be expensive. Um, you know, we have a lot of education. We've got a lot of overhead. Uh, we've got our malpractice insurance. Um, so we still do custom contracts for a lot of our clients that are further along in business where they do really need that one-on-one, you know, to get on a call with us and really hash out what should be in their contracts. But for almost every business up to, I would say even like half a million in annual revenues, a template is going to get you where you need to go. Um, it's going to protect you. You're probably not dealing with lawsuits at that level of your business. So um, it is just, it's been phenomenal to see how many more businesses we could help by having that offering and not just doing one-on-one -on -one work. So it's been really fun. There's a lot of gems in what you just said. Uh, <laughs> and so first I want my listeners that are deciding what their products are to first note that like you took something that you were already doing and actually like seeing the great results for that with your clients. And then you decided to package that into being able to be more accessible to others at an affordable rate. And I think that that is so important because many times we think that we have to create something completely new every time we're rolling out a new offering. Um, and also that means that what you are offering in your contract shop already is working. Um, and one of the things that I've really appreciated about it is as a client of yours um, who is purchasing some of your contracts and also referring my clients to go and invest in those, uh, every time that there's an update, they're notified of the newest version because your contracts are so robust. Um, and I think that like saying that is even an understatement. There's everything you need in there. And it really does allow you to consider things that maybe you hadn't even quite considered in your business yet, as far as how you're structuring your pricing, or what rules you may have in place in your private communities and things like that. Um, one of the things that has stood out to me is that you structured it in such a way that uh, it allows the user of the contract template to have options. And so there's option one or option two for this or that. Could you talk a little bit more about how you decided to do that? Yes. So we realized that, you know, everybody's business is different and everybody's situation is different. And like Autumn said, like, of course, we don't hope bad things happen or certain things happen. 
um, but they may happen, right? Um, so you want to make sure, and we wanted to provide enough options for um, our not only our clients, but for individuals that want to purchase contracts so that they can kind of just customize it um, as they want to, uh, which I feel like is great um, because it lets them, you know, uh, control how they want their terms to kind of be, um, yeah, terms, their terms to be for their business. Yeah, and I think that's so important because, uh, you know, I won't name any names, but I've invested in a couple of other really big names out there as far as offering contract templates in my over 10 years of being in business. And many of them, like the contract is written just one way. And so like if you are a commercial photographer, but you're purchasing like a wedding photography contract, which, you know, I have personally done myself um, back in the day. Uh, it's written so specific to weddings that there's things missing that uh, if you're doing um, working with models or something like that might actually need. And I just, I think it's such a beautiful thing that your contracts can really work for any type of photographer or any type of speaker on it. Even your speaking contract has really stood out to me as somebody who is using that for when I speak, but also using that for when we hire speakers to come into Pause and the Play of the Community and to give guest expert trainings and things like that, is it's written in such a way where you can use it either direction. And all it is is a matter of taking um, option one or option two in some of these different areas um, that are speaking to, are you the speaker? Are you... um, the event host or something like that, hiring the speaker. Uh, and I think it's, it's just so, so important because as we grow our businesses, you may be on one side of that and then find yourself transitioning onto the other where you're hiring other speakers to support you with something. Um, and so when I think about that, it makes me kind of go into the second place um, that some of our listeners and community members were curious about, which is, are there any major things that you think that someone should consider, period, when it comes to really thinking about the legal side of their brand visibility? Yeah. So one thing that um, we get a lot of questions about, and I think people sometimes jump into a little bit too early, is trademarks. Um, so what we like to recommend is if you are thinking of a new name and we'll use flaunt your fire as an example, cause it's a great name. Um, <laughs> so let's you. say, yeah, you come up with a creative name for your business, uh, or a product. We recommend that the first thing you do is run us just a basic search to make sure that nobody else is using it because what you really want to avoid is stepping on somebody else's toes, especially if you haven't launched yet, like you don't have very much invested in the brand yet. Um, you haven't worked hard to build that visibility. We want to avoid those problems. So that's one of those, like, how can we avoid an expensive mistake? Um, so that could be just going on the U S patent and trademark office, running a search, totally free doing a Google search, but like going to the third or fourth page. So making sure you're kind of doing a deep dive. Um, yeah, I, I have a question about that. Would you also recommend that someone, Um, do a search on like social media platforms and things like that, or GoDaddy to see if that name is in use in those places as well? Absolutely. Yeah. That was the next things I was going to recommend social media and then the (laughs) domain availability. Um, And I think a lot of people are confused about, well, if I have a domain, does that mean it's a trademark? Like maybe sometimes not always. Uh, But yeah, if somebody else has already either is using that domain or has, has it parked, that's kind of a a little bit of a red flag that you might want to check into that a little deeper. 
That's so important too, because it's one of the first things that I uh, do when we're starting a, a business, launching like a new name within their brand that already exists or um, launching their first brand within this umbrella to begin with is that social media part. But I can see where it's so important to check the trademark part at the same time, because um, one of the things that we say is like, once the social media handle is taken, you know, there's no guarantee that you can convince somebody to give it over to you. <laughs> we, yeah. in the, in the United States, I should have mentioned that Shantae and I are both licensed in the United States. So everything we're talking about, and this is not legal advice. That's our standard disclaimer. Um, but <laughs> Uh, in the United States, we have what's called a race system for trademarks. So the first person to use a trademark with a particular set of products or services, they win the race, they get all the rights. So that's why even if it's not registered yet, you want to make sure, you know, do that Google search and see if they are actually using it because they could still have what we call common law rights and they could still kind of come out of the woodwork later and cause you trouble. Mm. In the case of that, just curious, uh, there might not be a standard answer, but is there like an opportunity or have you ever seen someone um, be able to like talk to the other person and maybe buy them out of that name? Yes. And sometimes those are big, big dollar transactions. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Definitely makes sense there. Yeah. So you heard it from Autumn and Shantae themselves. Do your search first <laughs> before you start fully using a name. Um, and then it sounds like the next step is really to like stake your claim on that, you know, get that domain name, go ahead and take those social media handles before they're gone. <laughs> um, that brings me to the next question, which is when you're thinking about potentially trademarking, what looks like a good time? Like when do you know is the right time to start investing in that? Um, I would say, and what we typically tell our clients is to wait a while, just piggybacking off what Autumn just said. If you're just starting out with your business, um, you're going to want to wait a little bit uh, for people to um, really recognize your brand, right? And to make your brand really visible so people can identify your slogan, your whatever it is, your logo, your name, and associate that with your business. So we typically tell uh, our clients to wait anywhere from anywhere, anywhere from six to 12 months. Um, just to kind of give you the opportunity to continue to uh, make your brand more visible. That makes complete sense. Um, are there any potential like mistakes or misconceptions that you can think of that people have when it comes to their trademarking? Yeah, one thing one thing I see kind of piggybacking on what Shantae just said is some um, people registering too early. So, um, well, first of all, not doing your search, like we talked about. <laughs> Second is registering too early. So um, we have worked with clients who, you know, maybe are starting a brand new business. They haven't sold anything yet. They have this idea of a brand, but they haven't really tested it in the market. And then we file the trademark registration. It's expensive. I mean, it's several thousand dollars if you're working with a lawyer, even if you're not. The filing fees with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office are hundreds of dollars. So it's not nothing. Um, and then it takes about a year or longer to go through the whole process. So what we have found sometimes is by the time we get the certificate, they've already changed the brand. Like they, it didn't mm. resonate with their clients or they're kind of, they've pivoted and they're doing something a little different. And so the brand isn't totally relevant to their new thing. Um, so that's why we recommend waiting just a half a minute to, you know, make sure you're going to stick with it. Cause we want you to get that return on your investment. Um, after it's a lot of work and time and energy and money. Um, so that would be, that would be a big one. Shantae, any others you can think of or? 
no, I think that that was really it. That's one of the biggest things that uh, we come across. So you, like I said, you just want to make sure that you're putting in the time and the effort in building your brand so people can recognize who you are. Um, so yeah, that's the biggest thing. That makes complete sense. And to piggyback off of that, like you don't know what you don't know. So clearly I'm not in legal, but I didn't know that when you file your trademark, you have to select like what categories are you putting this trademark in um, or like what spaces are you taking claim of this name for? And so I can clearly see from, from what you just shared with us that uh, <laughs> if your business is still figuring out what it's doing, then you might be taking the wrong categories. Could you share a little bit more about that, Autumn? Yeah, not only do you have to pick what categories, what what products or services you're selling, but you have to prove to the USPTO that you're actually selling things. So if you say, I want to put my trademark on a t-shirt, you have to show them a picture of the t-shirt for sale. <laughs> or if you say, I'm going to do coaching services or I'm going to do graphic design, same thing. Like you have to show them how people can buy that, whether that's on your website or if you have a brochure or something like that. So there, there's pretty stringent requirements um, that I think a lot of people don't realize when they first start thinking, well, I'm going to register this trademark with everything because I want to, you know, have an empire. I want to do all the things. Um, and it's and it you pay more money the more things you're doing too to the USPTO. So those filing fees can be thousands of dollars if you're trying to register for everything under the sun. That makes complete sense. Uh, and yeah, I can see we're like doing that too early. You don't have that T-shirt yet or you don't have the <laughs> website to send them to you yet. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else that you can think of that someone would need to have on their radar when they're thinking about uh, going through the trademark process? Uh, one more thing to think about is um, as you're choosing your brand, your company name or your logo is making sure that it stands out, that it's not just what we call generic or descriptive. Like the more common words that you're using in your brand name. So like India, if your business was called like, um, branding for creatives. Like that's, <laughs> those are really common words. They describe who you're selling to and what you're doing. Um, the U S patent and trademark office and our trademark laws do not like those kinds of trademarks. Um, so the more you can choose, you know, words that maybe suggest what you do like flaunt your fire. It's a really good trademark. Um, the more you can think of things like that, that aren't obvious or like that lots of people probably aren't using, the more protection you're going to have, the easier it's going to be to enforce because you're not going to just like some brands, it's like whack-a-mole. Like you, there's people, especially with really common names, like think about Boss Babe or something like that. Those are, yeah, not great because it's just, it's, it's already out there so much. So um another kind of front end thing to consider that will make it easier once you're ready to protect that brand. Uh, so important and definitely goes back into the process that we take people through as well, because we want your name to be different instead of fitting in with all the other names. So sounds like that works out on the trademarking side too. Yes. A win-win. <laughs> right. Um, one of the things that I had on my radar is knowing a little bit more about um, like, what does it look like if someone wanted to, hire your uh, firm to support them with their trademarks? Like, yeah. What does that process look like? Absolutely. So we, we've changed things up a little bit in about the last six months. Um, mm -hmm. So you're going through our new process, India, which has been really fun. Um, and we <laughs> really, um, our goal when we work with a new client is we really want to be that trusted advisor 
like a legal partner for your business. We want to help you make smart decisions and not just like, we're not order takers. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, if you come to us and you want to register a trademark, we will say, awesome. We want to get to know your whole business because I know you think that this is the most important. And I'm not trying to say we know better than you, but we want to look at your whole business and make sure that we see what are your overall goals? Like, where are you trying to go with the business? so that we can help advise you on the best steps to actually get there. Because what your goal for your business and what you know Jane Doe over here may have a totally different long-term goal. Uh, I'm working with a client now who's looking to maybe sell her business in a couple of years. So like, that's just a totally different legal strategy than if you tell me, I just want to be kind of a one-woman show and run this kind of small and lean. So we start with this legal strategy session. Um, to really get to know the whole business. We talk about all your different offers and what does your team look like? And do you have a legal entity? Do you have an LLC or a corporation? Like we just kind of look at the whole big picture. Um, and sometimes during that legal planning session, we will identify it like, oh, maybe this is a, maybe this needs to be where we start and maybe we do the trademark in a little bit. Or sometimes it is like, oh, we really need to lock down this trademark right now. So it, it evolves a little bit. Um, but then our goal is really not to just do a one-shot project, but to be a long-term, you know, person almost on your professional advisor team. So, um, that we're working with you for a year or more to, to put all these protections in place. I think that's so important because, uh, I can say having been in business since like my early twenties, um, when you're just getting started, you're looking for that, like contract template or something just to get you started, which in my case back then was photography. So it was looking like getting those model release forms and a photography contract in place um, to make sure that I could actually collect my money <laughs> from my photo shoots. Uh, and that's important, but I think the further along that you get in business, the more important it is to be able to have someone to talk to that understands your brand, understands where you're trying to go, and can actually provide feedback to help you make sure that you're protected along the way for the entire journey versus just getting this template here, that template there. There's a time and a place for that too, but being able to really have that dialogue and the strategy and the honest, individual, customized feedback, it makes all the difference. And I think that it's something that if you're listening to this and you've been in business for a little while, or you're starting to hit like certain number of milestones, is to really there to consider is having that trusted team that you can go to, they know you, they like you, and you trust them. One of the things that's been on my radar is um, wondering, and in, in the breadth of that, and knowing what season that we're in, um, and just being transparent here for our listeners, both Want Your Fire um, as well as my business partner, Erica Corday's brand and Pause in the Play's brand are all in like a growth season. And I would say that really going into the beginning of 2020 before COVID-19 hit or Black Lives Matter, we were already on an upward swing of getting more inquiries, getting our name out there more. We invested in um, PR with Ginkgo Public Relations as well as um, impacting millions with Selena Sue. And so just all of this different visibility and public speaking and publicity really started to skyrocket our business from making those investments. Um, and I think that many of our other listeners are finding themselves in a similar space where they're growing really quickly. And I'm wondering, what are some of like the biggest mistakes that you see that people make 
or things that they're not considering when they're growing fast? Um, it goes back to what I initially said. So having a contract with everyone you do business with, I think is one of the biggest things um, that hurt um, businesses just starting out. And even businesses that are well-developed. I think that um, because we're moving at such a fast pace now and because of you know COVID and everything like that, everybody's um, dipping into the entrepreneurial pot. Um, I don't think they're thinking of the legal piece. They're thinking of um, the business piece, which is important, but I just want more people to realize that the business piece includes the legal piece, right? Um, and you definitely didn't need a contract with everyone, literally everyone for almost every transaction with everyone you're doing business with. Um, you're going to want to consider having some sort of legal protection or else it's really up in the air, right? Um, and you want to do your best in protecting your business. Yeah, I'll follow up on that. Something that we've seen a lot lately with, um, so we're typically now working with businesses who are maybe in like year five or further. Um, and often we're kind of cleaning things up that maybe when they were in that like really rapid growth that they weren't doing. Um, and so something we've seen a lot is working with creatives. So maybe you need a website built or photos taken, or you've hired a copywriter. Um, so, you know, creative people that you're hiring into your business, not using contracts. And then what a lot of people don't know is under our U.S. copyright laws, the contractor, like if they're an employee, the business owns whatever they create. But if they're a contractor, the contractor owns all those rights, which is not what you would think. You would think like, I've paid this person. I've told them what to do. I would assume I own all the rights. And that's not true. So having that in writing in the beginning, in your contract, just makes everything smoother later when like you get a book deal and you want to use that beautiful photo on your book cover. And now you have to like go find that photographer from three years ago. And maybe now they don't want you to have the rights or they want to charge you a bunch more money. Um, so just kind of like being really clear on the front end, having those conversations, making sure that you have the, the rights. Maybe you don't need to own all the rights. Maybe it's fine, but you want to get it in writing so that if you have to refer back to it later, you can. Oh, that's such a juicy one. And I can say firsthand that I've seen that play out in interesting ways. Um, and so, yeah, especially when you're hiring a designer or a photographer, know exactly what rights are being given to you as far as the visuals or the deliverables on that. Because um, I think that traditionally in the photography world and in the design world, the industry standard is you own all of the rights. And it's under the assumption that you're going off of what I like to call the family portrait or wedding photographer model, which can be that the concept is you you may charge less up front. Um, and then on the back end, you charge additional fees to license for different purposes. Um, and so when many of photographers uh, at a certain point, I would say about five to 10 years ago, started shifting their businesses from being just uh, family portraits or weddings and things like that and going into offering branding shoots um, or commercial shoots or editorial shoots, they didn't necessarily change their contracts. And so they were charging more upfront for these bigger jobs and jobs where you knew that the client was going to use these images all the places but their contract does not reflect that. And because it doesn't reflect that, on your side as a client, when you go to try to put this in your book or you go and try to, I don't know, print this out at Walmart or Target or wherever, <laughs> right? I mean, just basic stuff. They're going to ask you about the copyright release and you don't have it. 
You really don't have it. So it's so important to really look at what contract are you signing, but also to consider providing your own. Um, And if you're the photographer considering this, or if you're the graphic designer considering this, really take a look at your contracts that you have now and ask yourself, do they fit your current business model? One of the things that we started doing um, at Front Your Fire is like our contracts, we really try to have state that the client has legal right to use for any uh, personal use as well as commercial use, but they don't have permission to use it for resale. So like one of the things that we look at is, um, for example, if we photograph a bodybuilding show or if we photograph uh, an entrepreneur, our contract doesn't state that they're able to sell eight by tens of themselves massively on their website or calendars because we do realize that like that is residual sales um, and actually making money off of the work that we created. So you need to come right. back to us to ask us about that one. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and yeah. it's probably something you'd be happy to talk about if that came up. Exactly. Right? And you negotiated at that point. It's not like you could never get them. Yeah. And I think that um, when you know these different layers of things that you are supporting your clients with throughout the entire course of working with you, then you can ask for that because you know what to ask for in the beginning. So the contract can state that up front. And if there needs to be a different fee for the photo shoot or whatever, then you can already know that from the beginning. Yeah. Right. Um, One of the other things that I had on my mind um, to dive into a little bit is recognizing that some of our clients are pretty far in business um, and are kind of at the stage where like they're buttoning things up, but they're also asking themselves, like, what can we do to infuse some of our values into our contracts? Um, And so could you talk or share with the the listeners a little bit more about some of the things that we've been working on together, which is really adding that legal protection for backing up what we say we're going to do when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah, well, this is something, especially in the last year that um, we've been working on within the firm. And we've worked with your partner, Erica, on some things. She's been super helpful consulting with us. And then very organically, um, you know, we started talking about, well, how can we, like you said, infuse some of these, some of these values that a lot of businesses are wanting to lean into, um, into your contracts. And you may think like, oh, contracts are so boring. How does that have anything to do with my values? But we've seen it pop up and you and Erica were so helpful of sharing some of your experiences that we weren't necessarily seeing of like what's happening in private Facebook groups, where are people behaving badly that we need to go ahead and put that in the contract that, that's a reason we can kick people out if we need to, um, that it's just very clear up front. And I have to say, like, my whole philosophy around contracts is they should be even handed. They should protect both sides. And really, the goal is just so everybody knows kind of what they're getting into on the front end. So if you're joining a group program or um, a membership that, you know, like this is the expectation of my behavior in this group. Um, something else we've talked about um, is like non-disparagement clauses and how, um, you know, those don't allow you to speak publicly about your experience with someone if it's negative, how that can almost be like a gag order. And it keeps people from talking about, you know, maybe coaches they've hired or programs that they've been through that 
weren't great or were even harmful. Um, and so it's been interesting to see how even something that sounds super boring and like ugh, a non-disparagement clause, that seems pretty white, you know, like bland, vanilla, not exciting. Um, but that that is having a real impact in our industry. Um, and so another thing that we worked on together was the speaker agreement that you mentioned earlier. I'll let Shantae did the heavy lifting on that. So I will let her talk about some of the things that we did there. Right. Um, yeah, that, first of all, it was great even considering like revamping and creating rather that whole speaker agreement. I think it was really necessary. Um, but what's great about it is the DEI terms within, right? Because like Autumn said, you're making it known to whoever registers, become a, becomes a member of your program or whatever it is, you're letting them know what they can and cannot do in your program, member membership, whatever it is. Um, it just lays it straight out. Um, our speaker agreement is pretty robust, um, but I think it's necessary, right? Um, it covers just about everything, but it really, it does a really great job in laying out uh, the community rules and then also those DEI uh, terms and, and requirements. So yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. And one of the things, uh, just sharing from a place of transparency as to why we even started that conversation is because we had so many people coming to us and working with us as either clients of Flaunt Your Fire, clients of Pause in the Play, or clients of Erica Corday, um, or in some respect, clients of our clients. And what was coming up on the radar is that they were being asked to speak and they would agree to speak with the verbal agreement that there would be diversity on these panels or diversity for the event. And then after they signed the contract, you know, and have now legally binded themselves to show up, uh, that diversity that was promised wasn't there and they legally could not pull out. Um, that was one of the things that really started showing up especially after like the Black Lives Matter movement kicked off in uh, June of last year, uh, June of 2020. And uh, I'm curious to hear, like, as you're hearing that, you know, what is your input on that, Shantae? Um, just piggybacking what, off what I said about the DEI terms being in there, that is great. And it does a really good job in holding businesses accountable, right? And holding people accountable, because that's where we're at. We need to hold people accountable. Um, so yeah, I think it's really key to have that laid out instead of having some sort of verbal agreement um, between the business and or person that you may be contracting with to participate in these events, these speaking events, um, because it does hold them accountable. And you can't hold somebody accountable by just verbal, you know, verbal a verbal agreement. Um, having it in, in a contract and having it in writing is what's going to really be important. Right. And I think that the beauty of that is We've been in a season where many people are wanting to see change of some sort, and maybe their ideas of change might be different. But at the end of the day, I think that social change and uh, living through our values more explicitly instead of implicitly is really on people's minds and radars over the last 365. And so there's just so much power, even in just a contract, right, to create the change and be able to back up the changes that we say that we want to see into tangible actions that just add up and add up. Yeah, something I'll add. So this actually creating a speaker agreement with 
you know, these terms had been on my radar for probably a year or more. It had kind of been on my to-do list. And I had asked some friends and the, you know, who I knew were speaking at big events. I said, what does your contract look like? Do you have a diversity rider? Like, what does that look like? And because everybody was talking about it and no one was doing it. And so I, you know, when we started working on this contract, I, you know, did a call out. I was like, hey, send me your contracts. I want to see like, what, what are your DEI terms around speaking? And no one had any, it was all just happening in conversations. It was very informal. Um, and so I, I'm so excited and I really appreciate you and India or you and Erica, you are India, um, <laughs> <laughs> helping us, um, you know, put the things that you were seeing that were a real need into these agreements um, so that they are now out there for people to kind of put their money where their mouth is. Thank you. And I will say like firsthand that it's one of the most exciting projects and partnerships that I've had in the last 365 because I can very clearly see the impact that it can have. And I'm going to raise my hand and just be transparent here as I prefer to do with my listeners that, you know, we didn't have this DEI writer in our speaking agreement because we didn't know, we're not legal people. We don't know what needs to go in there, how it needs to be worded, um, what might be missing if we just randomly added something that won't hold people accountable. And so I had seen the same thing. Everyone was talking about, I want to shift this piece, but no one really knew what to do. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And I thank you so much for even making this be something that's available. It was a pleasure. Um, And I'll just say like, you know, to kind of second that is, you know, in this last 365, it's been such a beautiful thing to see more and more businesses allowing space for their members and their, uh, whether they're free or paid, right? Whether it's their podcast guest um, or their Facebook group members, free or paid, you know? really stepping into who they are, speaking their mind, being explicit about what they're supporting or not, um, their political beliefs, diving into conversations that I think we've all been told you don't talk about publicly or they're too taboo or they're going to stir up the pot. And while that has been such a beautiful thing, and I would love to continue to see even more of that because that's exactly what we're all about here. um, I think that it's also important that We've seen like more and more contracts being made available, such as your um, podcast agreement or your community agreements that you're offering in your contract shop um, that are legally protecting the host to be able to do what they need to do to keep their spaces safe. (laughs) You can't see Autumn right now, but the look on her face is like, hell yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, praise hands. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, I know we're coming to the close of this episode, so I would just love to give both of you an opportunity to share anything that you feel like maybe we didn't cover just yet that you would want our listeners to know or to go do. I'll go go first, and I'll let Shantae think about it. Yeah, Um, that needs some time. (laughs) I know we have been a broken record, but um, if you do nothing else for your business, our number one legal recommendation is to be using contracts and you do not have to buy our templates. You can get a legal pad. I'm like, I've got one on my desk. If you are hiring somebody to do something for your business, write it on a legal pad. Do not put it in an email, (laughs) put it in a Word doc or a Google doc or something. 
get it signed so that you are on the same page. It will help you avoid almost all disagreements or misunderstandings in your business to just, it forces you to have that conversation on the front end, which may be a little difficult, but you know, we're, we're talking about brand and visibility here. It is going to elevate your business. If you're using real contracts, it makes you look professional. People will take you more seriously. They will expect that you're going to deliver something awesome. If you're a services provider, um, it just starts the, the whole relationship off on a, on the right foot. So contracts, contracts, contracts is my <laughs> last bit. Yes. Um, I would say the same, but I just want to add that I know India mentioned earlier about everyone rushing, you know, to start their business, but I just want to tell everybody the money's going to be there. Um, and that to take your time in developing your brand and your business, um, to avoid having to double back in the future and really clean up a big mess, right? That's going to ultimately lead to you losing money, right? Um, you want to keep as much money as you can in your business. So um, my recommendation, um, piggybacking off what Autumn said, is contracts, contracts, contracts. If you cannot um, afford an attorney or you just feel like you don't need one right now, um, make sure that you get um, a good enough uh, template to cover your business, at least for now. I'm going to second both of what you said, uh, because I, I just feel like it's the most logical thing to do for less than $500 a contract, you can legally protect yourself um, in a way that if you did not, you might be upwards of multiple thousands of dollars that you can't get back and a job gone wrong or someone coming after you in a legal way or if someone didn't pay you know, their um, payment installments, right? Those contracts are protecting you. And I think that you know, if you're here and you've been listening to this podcast for almost a year now that it's been in existence, one of the number one things that we talk about is owning your values and amplifying your influence, really allowing yourself to be visible in your authenticity and stand out instead of fitting in. And that requires a lot of vulnerability, a lot of courage. And you want to make sure that you've legally protected yourself so that when you're doing that, you aren't leaving yourself open to any old thing going down, but you are safe in a legal way with your visibility. Right. Oh, well, I'm going to say that I love to leave our listeners with one thing to go do. And my one thing that I'm going to tell you to go do is to head over to pauseontheplay.com slash contracts. Uh, I will also have the link for that in the show notes and check out the amazing Myriad of contracts that are available at AWB's law firm. Uh, they have a contract for literally anything you can think of that you need. And if you don't have it already there and you have a special request for it, I'm pretty sure that Autumn would be open to making something new available. We one have an ongoing that, list. <laughs> yes. And one of the things that I love most about you know your firm and you as a human in general is that you've been in business for so long and you're still open to new ideas. You're still constantly evolving things, and it's such a beautiful thing to watch. So head on over, check out the contracts, make sure you are legally protecting your business, and if you're a little bit further along, put in that request to potentially get your trademarks and additional services going. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Thank you India. Thank you for having us. Oh, my goodness. What a juicy episode. 
Autumn and Shantae provided so much value here. And (laughs) spoiler alert, the value doesn't stop on this episode. So AWB Law Firm was kind enough to give us a code for our listeners to get 20% off of any contract that you purchase on their website. When I say contract, I also mean terms and agreements templates that they have as well. (laughs) So to get that 20% off, head on over to pauseontheplay.com slash contracts. Go ahead and add the contract or template or agreement that you need to your shopping cart. And at checkout, you want to enter play as your promo code or P-L-A-Y is what you're going to enter at checkout. And that's going to give you 20% off. And there's so many options that they have there. I mean, like I said, everything from blog or podcast sponsor agreements, Uh, They have everything that a photographer would need as far as making sure that you're protecting yourself when you are onboarding clients and doing photo shoots. They have confidentiality and non-disclosure agreements that actually are really important when you're hiring contractors to work for you so that they're not able to like take your clients with you when they're done. You know, they have everything from service provider bundles. Uh, (laughs) They have contracts for event planners. They have contracts for coaches and wellness brands. You name it, and they probably have it on the website. And I know I've said it here already in the episode that one of the things that I really appreciate about Autumn and her team is that they're so open to creating new things as well. And it's so funny because just in the short window between recording our episode and now that I'm taking care of the outro and getting this delivered to you, we've actually started talking about an additional offering that may be on the website soon. Um, And that offering, I think, is relevant to many of you listening. So There are so many of us that are getting sponsorships for our blog or a podcast, but what happens and what's a little bit different when you are doing influencer partnership deals, even if you don't see yourself as an influencer, right? If you have a brand or a business or if you're on social media at all, if you have a platform like a podcast or YouTube channel at all, there's always an opportunity to partner with brands in a way that is a little bit different than a complete sponsorship. And that is being um, a content creator for them. So creating episodes about their product or in the case of social media, it's going to look like being able to integrate their clothing or their product or their makeup or whatever that may be into your brand photos or into your selfies or into your IG uh, stories or your TikTok videos. And if you're doing that, you want to have a contract in place because there's an exchange of value between you and that brand partner. And so the beautiful thing about that is having that contract in place protects you on both sides, but it also really gets you thinking about what is this exchange here? And we've been working and developing and they're still in the market research mode. So don't quote me on when it's coming out. I won't give you any dates or anything like that. But, you know, what are the unique needs of people who identify as being a model, an influencer, a content creator? But I'm going to say really 
even if those words don't resonate with you, if you're on social media, you have a brand. So brands, whether that's your personal brand or your business brand, and those unique needs sometimes are going to include things like exchange of goods instead of necessarily exchange of payment. Sometimes it's going to be both. Sometimes it's going to be guaranteeing that you are willing to do X amount of social posts a month, um, integrating this brand's product or service into your messaging or into your visuals. And these types of contracts really do protect you and the brand. So that way they feel more secure and working with you and knowing that when they send you, I don't know, a a couple thousand dollar Louis Vuitton handbag that you're actually like going to create the post instead of just feeling like they gave you something for free and you disappeared on them. But also on your side, it guarantees that if you're starting to create these posts and you were also guaranteed a certain amount of bags a month or a certain amount of payment per post, that that's going to come through. And if anything goes different or somebody goes non-responsive, you have some legal backing to protect you. So I am so excited about this offer. And I think it's one that many of you listening um, are going to need as well as I'm noticing many of you investing and creating your own podcast. And so (laughs) seeing all the beautiful new opportunities and ways to launch podcasts these days, especially with Facebook's big announcement, um, you know, there's that other opportunity to make sure that you are legally protected and are not held legally responsible for anything that some of your guests might say. So anyway, I am going to stop preaching to the choir, so to speak, about contracts. Head on over, check them out. And oh my goodness, this is just the beginning. So I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. A great way to share that is we always ask for feedback in our newsletter. Um, Also, you can find us on social media at Flaunt Your Fire because we have a couple of really cool guests lined up already for the rest of the summer. And (laughs) I will give you the spoiler, not on the who's or the what's we're talking about, but just saying like, make sure you follow the podcast because there's some really good stuff coming up. There's been some shifts here. And if you haven't picked up on it, um, definitely with this episode, like my focus has been completely on providing value to you and making sure that you are getting the most out of your listenership here. And that everything that we're sharing here are things that can change the way that you think, feel, or do. And what I mean by that is many times we passively listen to podcasts and they're entertaining, but like, what is that changing in your life? Or how is that getting you closer to the dreams that you have for yourself or the changes that you want to see in the world? And, you know, just through different life things that have happened, um, I've never been more inspired, more fueled, and never had my fire lit more to create as much impact and support and change as I can. So (laughs) keep on listening and keep getting value here. And always know that you are welcome to share any feedback. And as a member of our community, Pause on the Play, you are actually able to completely shape these episodes with your questions, with your topics that you want covered. Um, We have some amazing members, including Autumn herself in the community. So, you know, if that's something that you've been thinking about for a while, 
Pause on the Play of the Community is a great way to connect with some incredible humans to further your goals, your dreams, and your vision. You can always find more information about that at pauseontheplay.com slash community. Ah, thank you for being here with me today. And I can't wait to chat with you on the next episode. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?